Welcome to Classically Current, where we review new films every week and link them together with classic films of the past. With your host, Zach and Kyle. Welcome, welcome, welcome back once again to Classically Current, as this week we are going to be going over our top five films of 2020 that we have reviewed on this podcast and give you a, a rundown. Kyle first, me second, and we'll go over our top five podcasts of last year. But also, we're going to be getting into some other fun facts about what podcast episodes were the most listened to last year. We're going to talk about five that have been listened to the most so go ahead and think about it while you're listening to this podcast, which one you think might be the most listened to, and we will talk about that as well. Since it is Oscar week this week, as me and Kyle are recording this right now, the Oscars are going on as we speak, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite Best Picture winners that have won in the past. So it'll be excited to talk about those as well and see if you guys have seen some of them in the past also. But without further ado, let's get into our top five films of 2020 and let the podcast begin. podcast will be a little bit different than our other ones. We're just kind of free-flowing it, going over our top five. But we're going to start with the top five podcast episodes of last year. So it's kind of our favorite films of 2020 that we have reviewed on this podcast. So Kyle, why don't you start off with your first movie? I guess that would be your fifth down to your first. You can kind of rank them in order. What would you say is your fifth favorite of last year. Yeah, so my number five that I picked uh, is Onward, which was a Pixar film, came out just last year, uh, kind of about this uh, boy's journey. Uh, he's trying to f find his dad, isn't that correct? <laughs> or he's like kind of trying to recapture, I guess, some of those lost moments being a, a child with his father and it's kind of a, a just an adventure throughout the entire film and uh, it was you know one of the better Pixar films I had seen but maybe not my favorite but for 2020 it just broke into our top five for most listened to or sorry not most listened to but favorite podcast uh, episodes that uh, we did yeah, and that one, I was pleasantly surprised by that one as well. You know, last year, watching that one, because Pixar comes out with a movie generally every year, and we were fortunate enough to have two Pixar films in 2020, which I was happy to see. And uh, going back last year, Kyle, to a movie that I forgot we even talked about this and watched, but looking back on it, I really enjoyed it. My number five from last year is The Way Back with the one and only 
Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck plays an alcoholic who is trying to come to grips with things that have happened in his personal life as he is also trying to go back to his alma mater and coach his former basketball team, which he was very successful with in high school. And he's dealing with the fact that he has issues with alcoholism and also trying to balance coaching at the same time. And as his players start improving and as he is starting to get to be a better coach, he is quitting the drinking. And that was an inspiring story that I really enjoyed last year. So I hope people still check that out as that is, you know, it's a very well done sports drama. Yes, it was. And um, I'll move on to my number four, which Christopher Nolan made a film last year. You have to include it into this top five, Tenet. And uh, this was actually, I think, the only film, Zach, that I saw in IMAX last year or in theaters, period, because I don't believe I saw any other film uh, in the theaters uh, so it was kind of a special experience. Um, yet you may have yours up higher on this. I don't know for sure. But the reason it's at number four for me is because while it was nice to go to the movie theaters and see it, uh, my ears came out damaged from the uh, sound design. <laughs> and it kind of turned that experience um, uh, a little bit sour. So... And it, I don't think it's Nolan's best film, although I do think there's a lot of um, uh, great things going on here. Uh, you know, it's nothing short of being audacious and, you know, daring. And uh, Christopher Nolan is still um, attempting to always kind of break the, you know, break the mold a little bit and, and try something new. Uh, I, I still think that he has superior films uh, before this one, and that's why I'm putting it at number four. Well, Kyle, I'm taking a page out of your book here for number four here. I'm not going to pick Tenet, though. I have to go with Onward. As everybody knows on this podcast, I am a big Pixar fan, and I was pleasantly surprised by Onward. It's just a simple brother adventure fantasy where they're going on a quest to find their father. At the end of the movie, you kind of are uh, just amazed at how emotional and how effective that ending really was. Uh, I won't spoil what happens at the end, but it is a very enjoyable, like I said, brother adventure fantasy. So I'll put that at number four. Bad respect, mad respect, Zach. Okay, okay. So I feel like we are... Oh, Zach, we might have the same films here. I, I'm curious. I haven't actually looked at your list yet. I'm staying away from looking at your list. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Top three now. My number three, Zach, is going to be The Way Back. Um, oh. So, yeah, I put that ahead of Tenet just because, uh, you know, I feel like when I was watching it, it kind of uh, rose above my expectations a little bit. Um, and I, I was actually really satisfied with the film overall. I, I thought it. It had kind of a, a a good message in it, and um, I like that they that Ben Affleck's character still struggles throughout, like with his alcoholism, um, and and it hits close to home because I know that he's had uh, real issues with that in the uh, in the past. Uh, so it's kind of something that probably hits close to home for him, and I like how they use uh, you know this opportunity where he can be a coach. Um, as kind of a, 
um, a backdrop to where he's kind of recovering a little bit, especially from past traumas. So that was my number three, just on the in, inspiration and, you know, the, the emotion, emotionally driven uh, parts of it. Well, yeah, and I realize, Kyle, more and more, uh, I, I really enjoy Ben Affleck. And I've been recently watching, you know, the Snyder Cut. I watched that a few weeks ago. We didn't have time to review that one on this podcast, as it is a four hour long film which is difficult to really put into words in a review but i really like him as batman as well so and i even re revisited batman versus superman where i watched the extended cut which is three hours and that I, I don't know i just like his screen presence his physical screen presence as batman and i also like him in his role in the way back i think he can actually do a lot and he Maybe doesn't get always as much respect as he should, but well, uh, I really yeah, and I think in the I, way back. Yeah, I think he has gotten kind of a bad rap over maybe at least early on in his career because he wasn't considered to be a great actor. Um, and maybe I mean, yeah, he kind of plays. I mean, I guess kind of the same in most of his movies. It's not like he ever has to use a certain dialect or certain, uh, I don't know, personality trait. I mean, his 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 personality is usually kind of the one that is on screen it's i feel like it's kind of he's a little more genuine on screen and that's and that's fine i think that's good to have and you know i still enjoy watching his some a lot of his movies so yeah i agree with you there but what about you zach yeah but going to my number three it was this is tough to narrow it down but i have to go with a movie that i've just been thinking about for the past few weeks since i have seen it and that is nomadland which is a possible for Best Picture. Uh, as of this recording, I already know that Chloe Zhao actually won for Best Director, the first uh, female Asian-American to win the Best Director statute. And that is an impressive accomplishment as she has, I mean, there, Alfred Hitchcock's never won a Best Director Oscar. Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. There's a lot of, and you know, Stanley Kubrick. A lot of famous directors who have never actually won the statute, and she was able to take that home tonight. So I was glad to see that. But also, I just really have been thinking a lot about how she just meshes the realism of the country of America in the Midwest and all these people that she comes across. She meshes that so well within this storyline as she's writing that. And I'm really excited to see what she's going to be able to do with Marvel's Eternals, which is coming out, like we said, November 5th, 2021. So she's a rising star as, as a director. And I really want to look back at her first two films to uh, kind of get more of an appreciation of kind of where she started with her career and where she's headed. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see with the Marvel movie, uh, just the shift there from kind of like a documentarian almost type footage uh, filmmaker to, um, yeah, doing this big, uh, you know, kind of blockbuster production. Yes. So it'll be interesting yes, to see what happens. it's going to be there. completely different, I'm sure. But uh, going on to my number two, Zach, uh, this was a movie uh, I didn't know much about going into it, um, and it's on Hulu. Uh, but it was actually very unique and took me by surprise. That would be Palm Springs. And I thought Andy Samberg uh, for this movie was actually, you know, flexed his, um, his acting 
muscles a little bit here. Like he wasn't just a comedian in this. He was able to, you know, portray a, a, a few other sides of his personality. Um, and then I thought just the story itself and the way they created it and just the the atmosphere of it was interesting and uh, very unique. And it's kind of an enjoyable uh, watch for me. It was like interesting to kind of go back and see, you know, there were moments of like where this was like kind of like an action or that it was kind of like a comedy. And then it kind of turns into this almost like horror, like thriller. Then it kind of turns into like this drama slash indie film. I thought it, I thought it showed a lot of versatility throughout the entire film and was very unique. Yes, it's one of the most unique films of last year, and I really, really wanted to put that on my list, but I just couldn't fit it in my list. I just didn't feel like I had enough room for it. Because so we of don't have the film. same ones. We do not have the same list after all, because as I am looking through, I had to look through all the films that we saw last year. I really wanted to put that one on here. It is a unique film. Everything you said is true about it. I want to revisit it again as, you know, it is uh, one that is a very rewatchable film as well. Uh, but I have to go with my number two pick, Soul, directed by Pete Docter, the Pixar film that came out towards the end of last year, around Christmas time, featuring a, an African-American musician who gets the break of his life to perform for one of his famous musicians that, that's around. And he is, uh, everything seems to be going good for him until, of course, he has an unfortunate incident that puts him into kind of the in-between uh, life and death. And so I just really like the exploration that Pixar did with going inside the afterlife. And it, it just felt like it was a very impressive film in a lot of different ways visually and also the sound design and also the voice work and the music. It all just meshed well for me. And so I had to put that at number two and Pixar, keep doing what you're doing. I'm excited for Luca coming up in June of this year. Yeah, Zach. Well, you pretty much said it because that is my number one pick, Soul. Uh, just kind of off the same things that you had said, uh, from the ideas behind it, I thought it was uh, very interesting and, uh, you know, it's something that you don't see a lot, but uh, maybe it has um, a couple other movies from the Pixar canon that uh, maybe go to some of the length, but not quite the length that Soul goes to in exploring some of these ideas and philosoph philosophical, uh, you know, boundaries, you know, that it kind of goes into. Uh, the music was great. Uh, just the, the animation itself was gorgeous. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely my number one. And yeah, that's, I, like, I, I didn't really have too much issue putting it number one, I guess. And that's, I guess saying a lot because it is a Pixar movie. I generally prefer, you know, realism. Uh, but this is a, an animation movie that I decided to go with as my number one for 2020. Well, that just warms my heart because of how much grief you give me for choosing <laughs> animated movies to watch on our podcast and review. And I'm going to keep doing it because of I know the power of animation. And I but, think, but we need that, bad uh, movies to obliterate, too. And, it's, and we just don't <laughs> yes. have like you can't do that with these Pixar Disney ones. So it almost 
in a way it's like you really enjoy them but at the same time it's like what is there to really uh critique about it, it makes it hard to do a a, a podcast on so yeah just in that true. respect I, was, I mean yes and we've reviewed some good animated ones so I, I i get what you're saying there you know ryan the last dragon onward soul and now you know there's some new ones coming out this year so I'm excited to see those, but for my number one, Kyle, this is one that I oh, had to rewatch. Oh, let me guess. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> oh, what it's gonna be. Oh, uh, Mulan, 2020. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I have to go with Tenet, of course. My favorite okay. man, Christopher Nolan, directing Tenet. Now, you know. It was one of my favorite movie-going experiences, as we have talked about. The it was a, very loud. It was very intense. It had a lot of twists and turns, and it, it kept you engaged the entire way. And I will never forget that movie-going experience, as that was the only movie that we really saw in the theaters in 2020. Yes. And I hope to we can kind of get back into the uh, rhythm of going back into the movie theater as well, but. I watched it again as it came out on Blu-ray, and I'm just more impressed with it every time I watch it. And I encourage anybody who's a fan of Christopher Nolan or action films or a spy, espionage, thrillers, got to check that one out. This is Nolan's version of a Bond movie, and I think he knocked it out of the park after re-watching it again. Yeah, maybe that's what uh, maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe eventually it'll climb back up on my list of uh, favorite Nolan films. Uh, it, time will tell, but uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a memorable experience for me. Just in the fact that it was like the first movie we re- we really saw post COVID, um, or just during COVID. So uh, yeah, definitely a unique uh, experience there, but. Yes. Zach, should we move on uh, into our most listened to episodes? Yes, I think this will be interesting for our fans to know which episodes were the most listened to of last year. Uh, Kyle, why don't you start off with a list and then we can get into our best picture winners. All right. So coming in at number five on this list uh, was our very first podcast episode on this uh channel classically current and that would be the impractical jokers movie and uh and, we both wow. kind of slammed it but we and didn't Kyle, i you know i am uh i'm happy to say that i have forgiven the jokers for this awful <laughs> movie going <laughs> experience with the impractical jokers movie although it had some segments that were good i have finally come around and watched their show again and they are just as funny as ever i love watching them each week yes. they're still on true tv currently so check them out on their new season yes but, uh, this movie you know what if you're a fan of the practical jokers i'm even willing to say you go ahead and check this out and see if uh, you think it's any good uh, we obviously didn't think so but I'm interested to see what fans of the Impractical Jokers think of their movie because uh, we weren't impressed. Yes. Uh, Moving on to our number four. Uh, One of my favorite films of last year, Palm Springs. Uh, So that one one was a little bit of a surprise to me too because uh, Palm Springs, it kind of went under the radar when it came out on Hulu. Uh, Maybe uh, 
gradually picked up a little more steam like as you know you kind of word of mouth maybe people saw it and said yeah this was good so uh yeah, yeah. that was number four yeah and i feel like you know more most people on our podcast listen to it after they've watched the movie i feel like and so that one's probably like you said that they were discovering along the way and they went back to it and listened to that episode yes uh, and then number three is actually um, the 1998 uh, version of Mulan. <laughs> and uh, I think I, I, I would like to get like an age, uh, like figure out how what our norm, like the average age listener is, because I feel like maybe we're getting some of those people that this was like um, a podcast. This was to go back and revisit and reminisce maybe a little bit on Mulan because for me that's kind of what it was to go back and revisit my childhood and like watching this Disney movie and how much it's changed since that time um but man I I went back and watched it and I just liked it even more yeah and it is an amazing animated movie one of my favorites that Disney's ever done and that one features also the appearance of fan favorite Casey and fan favorite Mikey, who will both end up appearing in the Christmas episodes of last year. So that was nice touch as well. We'll have to have more fans on to talk about their favorite films in the future. Yes. And speaking of fans and how big Zach is, a Christopher Nolan fan coming in at our number two. This one's really not much of a surprise. I figured this would be top two or three. Uh, the Tenet or Tenet. Sorry, it's no the, it's just Tenet. Oh, of course. And of course, that one is just uh, amazing, Kyle. It's sensational. Well, it, You can't beat it. <laughs> well, it's Christopher Nolan. It's like, uh, he's built up this, He's. He, I mean, he has such esteem and uh, people have such reverence for him now that it's, uh, it's a must to go see his movie. Whether it's getting slammed or by critics or not, doesn't matter. It's just you have to go and experience his movie. Um, and he was really pushing for people to go to the IMAX and see it in that format. And uh, obviously, he's got a great marketing team, I'm sure, behind it all. That helps. So number two, easily Tenet. Yes. I mean, going to a Christopher Nolan movie is an event for me. So I relish it every chance I get, and I'm excited to see what he will be doing in the future. I hear rumblings of him possibly going into the horror genre, Kyle, which really? is something that... That was something know, we had, I had kind of talked about. because Yes, uh, I, I yeah. hear rumblings about it. He's done a lot of different genres right now. I mean, he's done a war movie. He has done a spy thriller, James Bond type in Tenet and then of course he went and did like a heist movie for Inception a sci-fi film for Interstellar a thriller so you could say for way. Memento yes and Insomnia Memento. yeah yeah and there is even a little bit of a horror aspect to Inception at times and he actually I think we talked about it in the Inception episode but he was actually going to make that even more of a horror element with Maul being in his his dreams that would be and interesting so I, I think he's probably going to get there at some point with like stanley kubrick does with the shining uh in 1980 as stanley kubrick was a well-established director when he directed that right i feel like it's coming i i would be very interested to see what he does with that but zach our number one most listened to podcast 
came as a bit of a surprise to me. Although maybe now thinking about it, it was pretty controversial, I guess. Um, Mulan that came out in 2020. Oh my word, Mulan! That was the most listened to episode of our podcast. So hopefully, people just, uh... allowed our opinions of it to kind of seep in and realize just how ridiculous it was compared to the original. <laughs> It was, and uh, we're going to be talking about Cruella most, most likely on this podcast because that is a weird iteration of Cruella, or I don't know, it, just from what the trailers are, it's just odd to me that they have are creating an entire backstory around Cruella DeVille, the character from the 101 Dalmatians movie. It's not really as much of a remake as it is just a new iteration of the character, but Maybe that'll work better than Mulan. Let's just hope so, because Mulan, as it had some beautiful imagery and well-directed, uh, it just did not seem to um, compare to Mulan. And I'm surprised that it was the most listened to, but I'm glad that our fans came for that one and they were able to kind of listen to us have our gripes about that film. And I think that makes it more entertaining, too, when you have more... Uh, gripes and more negatives for yeah. a movie it seems well, like. Well, I think didn't that film get some decent reviews too? It got middle of the road. It wasn't terrible. It was like maybe 50% or 60%. Mm. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. So it actually did get decent reviews, but I just did not feel it was uh, it holds any I don't think it holds a candle to the Mulan of 1998. No, so. there's no character development. Like she the character has nothing to overcome in this Mulan. Like she's already right. superior. She's already better. Like what? This not interesting to watch. It's like you want to see someone struggle a little bit because it hits back home to reality that people, everyone struggles in life. They have to get through obstacles. Like if there's nothing right. to overcome, there's no point. Like come on, that was it was a, it was a ridiculous movie. But I'm <laughs> gonna we'll move on. So Zach, done with those top five. That is our top five most listened to episodes of 2020 now on to as a part of our celebration for the oscars that are tonight we wanted to touch on our top five best picture films and zach boy you, is this tough it is boy, tough. is this tough i'll so, start though do you want to start are we start uh, are we doing a random order or just kind of uh you know just listing top five how do you want to do it We'll just kind of go one and then the other like we have been doing. We'll go a little bit faster with these. I don't have a lot to say about okay. these films. As most people know, I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I feel like the Best Picture winners are never really the movies that I feel like are the best. Uh, I follow filmmakers that do not even have a lot of their films winning any Best you know, Picture race. I... Uh, Everybody knows I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. We do some movies with uh, Quentin Tarantino on here too, but <clears throat> although we didn't get to do uh, last, um, what was it? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We didn't get to review that last time, but we'll probably review his movie next. And, you know, we've talked about David Fincher and all these other filmmakers, but I'll have to go with what I have seen, and I haven't seen all of the Oscar winners, the Best Picture winners, but I'll have to go with number five, Dances with Wolves, the old 1990 
which is my birth year, the old 1990 classic with Kevin Costner, as uh, I always enjoyed that film. I feel like there's a lot of actual Native Americans in that film that got to actually portray some of the real-life you know, characters of that time period. Now, there's some issues with that people have with it nowadays where it is a white man solving all of the savage problems, which I don't necessarily like that about it, but that is uh, what they... That's, that's, that's history in America in a nutshell. White men going in and uh, putting their stories in the history books and claiming that it's theirs. So, at this, in this instance, in this movie, in Dances with Wolves, it's pretty similar to that. But I do enjoy it, and it's a good, uh, good movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I always enjoyed it when I watched it. Yeah, my... Uh... My number five pick on this list, Zach, uh, I think you've seen this, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yes. Yes, Jack Nicholson. Uh, I believe this was uh, one that took like the big five home. I think, what was it? Uh, uh, cinematography, screenplay, actor, uh, director, and picture. Oh, wow. Uh, something something like that. I think I think that's what it, it took. I know it was like the 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 big five of like the Oscars and it took all five of those. Um, yeah, just a great film. Um, kind of a comedy drama. Yeah, you're kind of, uh, getting, uh, the sense that Jack Nicholson's character is, um, you know, having to deal with, uh, you know, certain people there. And it, it almost is like a, uh, it's like a political commentary itself, um, during that era. So it, it's, it was just a fascinating watch. Like it was just, it's almost like the Sopranos in a way. Like it, there could be like not a, a lot going on, but somehow it's still just interesting to watch. Like it's, it's just fascinating to watch. The acting was great, superb throughout, you know, just like watching the basketball scene was like entertaining to mm-hmm. watch. Um, yeah. There's just, there's a lot of interesting moments throughout this film where it's like, if another film tried to pull off something like that, or another director was trying to pull off like shooting something like that, it probably would be way less interesting. But for some reason it, it just went to, it worked with this. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you there. I, I forgot that that was one of the, uh, the best, uh, I forgot that was one of the best picture winners as you know, Jack Nicholson knocks it out of the park in that film, but I got to go with my next film at number four, no Country for Old Men, the Coen Brothers classic with Javier Bardem as the lead. Josh I just Brolin. like the and Josh Brolin as well. I just like the menacing face and the calm demeanor that this character portrays as he's going through the old it's almost like a western Kyle and he's just uh, Javier Bardem's character is just kind of going through his reign of terror on this kind of community and Josh Brolin is trying to, you know, be the good guy and kind of save everybody in the end. But it's about more than that. It's very well directed. It's very chilling. It's very intense at times. And I've just always been impressed when I watch it. And it's, it's kind of got a poetic nature about it as well, uh, that I really enjoy. And then it also has the, the, uh, what is that older gentleman's name? Tommy that is Lee in Jones. There? 
Yes, it also has Tommy Lee Jones in there as well. And I, I don't know. Every time I watch it, I feel like that is one of the better Best Picture winners that I have seen. Yeah, yeah, and it's probably one of the more recent ones that I would at this point consider as a classic, a must-watch. It's kind of uh, gained more steam over um, the years. It's uh, especially Anton Chigurh's character. Um, so yeah, very very well done. Uh, my number three is actually um, another extremely memorable villain, and that would be the Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter. And who could forget uh, just there's so many memorable scenes, whether it's, uh, you know, him bringing down that bucket like it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again or just <laughs> just so many, uh, you know, memorable scenes like uh, Anthony Hopkins when he's like saying he's going to eat her with uh, some some fava beans and a bottle of Chianti. <laughs> So it's like one of the more memorable ones. But uh, yeah, that for me was uh, an extremely chilling, um, yet fascinating and well-made thriller on Hannibal Lecter. Well, yes, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I uh, we didn't look at each other's list, but that is also uh, mine. Wait, that was your number two or number four? That was my three. That was your three. Oh wait! And my I skipped it. I skipped one, Zach. You skipped. Yeah, you skipped one. Oh man. Okay. So sorry, guys. My number four, The Godfather Part Two. What do you like about Godfather Two? Why is that high on your list? Because I think with the success of the first one, it is almost impossible for, um, you know, a sequel to be equally as brilliant and yet that's exactly what the godfather part two did i loved what they did how um it explored kind of the um early part of like the 1920s new york with uh robert de niro as a uh as a young uh corleone and uh kind of how he came into and rose to power in america um and it kind of would flash back to that in between while also uh, staying in current day um, with uh, the new the new uh, with Al Pacino so it was uh, it was just it's a classic and and I feel like it's it's it almost feels like the Godfather could have been the first two movies could have been like a uh, a mini series because uh, both of them are about three hours in length and it's just it's a fascinating uh, work of cinema that's has stood the test of time for the last 47 years. Yeah, and I feel like if it was made today, it would be a miniseries just because of all the you know, talent that is involved and all of the studios that uh, exist now to have these really long, drawn-out miniseries yeah. or maybe like a two-part movie that you would have. I mean, it, it, movies have changed so much within the past 10 years. It's It's really... It's really, I mean, especially since this came out in the late 70s, early 80s, I think. Well, and I think, uh, too, just, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting how many movies or filmmakers were inspired just from this movie. And, you know, how all these other movies um, almost attempted to create kind of the same feel, like the same color scheme that The Godfather was using, just kind of like those dark uh, colors. And I think that's part of its uh, mystique is it's just held up over time 
um, because right. it's extremely cinematic in that essence. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just something that's inspired uh, several generations after it. Yeah, that's very well said. And I was just going to get into my number three since I didn't get a chance to, but uh, you already had it on your list, The Silence of the Lambs. I'm always impressed when I watch it. And this has a connection to this year's Oscars as Anthony Hopkins is once again nominated for Best Actor and for The Father, which came out last year. And that one is one we have not seen yet, but we are planning on seeing that one and reviewing that one as well. Yes. Uh, And then you also mentioned, Zach, my number two, which is No Country for Old Men. Um, again, just the classic villain that has become Javier Bardem. Like he, the hairdo itself has kind of has kind of stayed as like it's like the staple. That's how what everyone knows him as. He has that hair, crazy hair, like bowl cut hair, and he's like a complete psycho. Um, just extremely like every scene that he is in, like I'm like I'm glued to the TV when I watch this movie. And, uh, you know, it really is just a, a, it's a Western slash thriller slash drama. You know, it's even got that kind of Coen Brothers quirky uh, humor throughout. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's another movie that I think it has stood the test of time and will stand the test of time. Yes, absolutely. I'd have to agree with you there. For, yeah, Kyle, for my next film, it's one that you had already talked about, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which, in fact, they made like a Nurse Ratchet miniseries, or I don't know if it's a miniseries or yes, if they're going to keep doing it, but performances, top-notch, Jack Nicholson, and then Nurse Ratchet, the actress that plays Nurse Ratchet in that film. Always enjoyable to watch. It's just an interesting character study of what a mental illness really is uh, and how to kind of... Uh, it's one of those films that you know when you when you watch One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest, Jack Nicholson's character, you don't feel like he's maybe belongs into that world at all. That he's uh, faking he it, kind yeah. Of, yeah, it's like he's faking it, but you kind of see what he ends up doing uh, to everybody around him and how he's influencing everybody, and you know it's just it's, it's and it's kind of a tragedy. It it not a tragedy, but it's kind of more of a a sad ending i would say that actually really sticks with you and you know makes it makes it more memorable and i'm kind of glad that they went that way in that film yeah i think what's interesting about it too is just the dynamics uh between characters um and how there's like kind of this power struggle throughout that i think maybe adds to the interest of the film how you're kind of like well what what what's this one going to do next what is he going to do next what is she going to do next Uh, It just, you know, their interactions are just uh, kind of fascinating to watch throughout. My number one, Zach, is none other than the very first Godfather, which came out in 72 and is still considered by many to be one of the, if not the greatest film ever made. Um, And yeah, pretty much for for all the same reasons. I like The Godfather, too. The Godfather kind of started it all. just kind of built on that that world after uh, after this so yes well said I mean I mean you were able to kind of articulate why you like Godfather 2 and Godfather part one is even more memorable for you I've only 
I've actually have not seen all of the Godfathers, and and I did see Godfather one and quite enjoyed that, uh, but not enough to put it on my list because I feel like it's one of those movies that I need to kind of watch more than once uh, and also you know follow up with watching Godfather two because I have not finished all of that one either but it's like a crime right at this point i should have seen both of those yet it's like, yeah it's a crime it's zach essential viewing but it's poetic <laughs> you know it's i'm into, i'm into different movies than you are and that one you know is something i kind of watch later on in life but uh, for my number one pick i gotta go with the 11 time oscar winner including best picture lord of the rings return of the king which shares the record with the Titanic for the most Oscars ever won on one night. And in fact, Lord of the Rings won every single Oscar it was nominated for. So it was, uh, you know, just an, an amazing production. You know, it's really an Oscar winner that culminates for three movies, not just one as Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers were before it, but Peter Jackson took a huge risk developing this project in the late 90s and then releasing it at one year after each other and boy did he have boy did his risk pay off for this film and was incredibly successful and you would not have game of thrones if you didn't have lord of the rings i don't think with the success yeah. that that had in opening the doors and in fact amazon has said that they have paid $467 million for the first season of the Lord of the Rings prequel series that they are developing on their platform. That is going to be coming over the next few years. I'm not exactly sure the release date yet, but that is a whopper of a budget. So it's going to be wild to see what comes next. But but that's my list, and that's Kyle's list. Uh, you know, There's some honorable mentions that you could put in there, but I feel like... You know, a lot of our favorite films, Kyle, are probably not really on this list, but it's nice to go back and look at the Best Picture winners to see how movies have changed and see what kind of movies win Best Picture. Yeah. Because uh, it's quite a bit different than the ones back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. With that being said, Kyle, let's let our audience know what we're going to be reviewing next week. And to do that, Kyle, why don't we do this? Why don't we have our fans try to decide which movie they want we have three options for our next review we're going to be putting a poll out and want to see which one wins so what are our three options one option is what mortal kombat that was the f one of them mitchell's versus the machines which is a sony pictures animation coming out on netflix april 30th yes and number three was that gonna be nobody Nobody and Stowaway, which is a Netflix sci-fi. That's thriller. four. I guess we'll do four. <laughs> All right, yeah. I have to decide between the four, A, B, C, or D. A, B, C, or D. That would be easier. So between Nobody, Mortal Kombat, Stowaway, or Mitchell versus the Machines, we'll see which one wins. I'll have you guys vote on what you want us to review. So we will put that on our Twitter the total number of votes and see which one wins but thank you guys so much once again for listening to our top five films of 2020 thank you guys once again for tuning in stay tuned for next week's episode 
If you like this, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you will never miss a show. If you found value in our show, we'd love it if you gave us a review so we can continue to grow and reach more enthusiastic movie fans in the future. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out as well. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, Classically Current Podcast, to receive updates on our show as well as vote on other films to review in the future. Thanks again for joining us, and as always, stay classy and stay current.